All right. Well, today is the last Sunday uh, for me to serve as pastor at Desert Hills Community Church. And uh, I wanted to begin today by uh, thanking some people that have invested themselves into my life and into my ministry and have had a um, lasting impact on uh, my service as a pastor in the Church of Jesus Christ. And one of the, the first one I want to mention is Pastor Ray Leach um, invested himself in me. We met over breakfast on a weekly basis years ago and uh, talked about life and faith and service and pastoral ministry. And, and um, he deliberately and, and so effectively and lovingly invested himself in my life. I want to say thank you to Pastor Ira Brown, who was um, the pastor in the church that we attended when uh, before and during the time that I was called into pastoral ministry myself and and uh, invested himself in me and my family and uh, helped launch us into ministry. So thank you, Pastor Ira. And then um, I wanted to mention uh, Pastor Weldon Schumann. He's retired now. And um, when we pastored, the years we pastored in Alaska, him and his wife Karen um, lovingly open their home to us whenever we came out of the Alaska bush to Anchorage to uh, experience civilization and and do shopping and stuff. And Weldon um, and his wife Karen very effectively and lovingly invested themselves in my wife and family and I. And I want to uh, recognize what you have done for us and the lasting impact it's had in our lives. And finally, I want to mention Pastor Jack Atterbury in Nebraska. Um, known him for a shorter amount of time but but in a crucial time in our walk with Christ in our uh, pastoral ministry um, Pastor Jack and his wife uh, Karen um, also lovingly and effectively invested themselves in us and and helped us to continue to be able to hear and follow God's call on our lives and so I want to say thank you to those four pastors. And I also want to recognize a couple district superintendents that I've had the privilege to serve under over the years. Dan Cole in uh, Nebraska um, is a man with a heart for Christ and a love for the church and a courage uh, to do everything that God calls him to do that is an example to all of us. And he has been a great blessing to me personally and to my family as well. And then finally, um, another district superintendent, Doug Pierce, who um, is is smart and effective and patient and faithful in his service. And by example and by word and deed, um, he very much has uh, influenced my life and my family's life and been a lasting blessing to us. So um, it's a privilege for me to take just a moment to honor them and to say thank you for all that you have done in our lives and continue to do that that um, has had and continues to have a lasting effect on our ministry our service and our lives in every aspect so thank you to each and every one of you and i want you to know that going forward um, i will continue i've been a, a hospice chaplain for uh, the last couple years and i will continue serving in that role i find it very meaningful and important and fulfilling and so I will continue to serve as a hospice chaplain and 
next year in in 2021, I will uh, begin a nine-month residency uh, in a program, uh, the accrediting agency for hospital chaplaincy that's recognized around the world is the ACPE, the American Center for Pastoral Education. And I will enter a a year-long residency next year uh, to become fully credentialed in um, that area of chaplaincy as well. And so um, this chapter in our lives ends today, but there is always a kingdom to build and a Savior to serve. And so we will continue doing that in the days ahead. And so uh, on the screen today, at some point, will be my... uh, an email address and how to find me on Facebook and if you want to stay in contact with me I would very much appreciate that and look forward to that so thank you for all of that and what a great day to preach your last sermon Um, today is the first Sunday of Advent I love this season of Advent when again as if for the very first time we anticipate the birth of of the Savior Jesus Christ, God Himself coming to earth in human flesh to live the life that because of original sin and because of our personal sin, we are unable to live a life absolutely free from sin so that He could be the sacrifice that was worthy to be made on our behalf to provide forgiveness of our sins. And so we begin this season of Advent in 2020 If ever we needed to celebrate and remember that the Savior has been born, man, it's 2020, right? And so we can begin to do that today. The theme for the first Sunday of Advent is hope. And I'm so thankful. I didn't plan it out this way. Uh, God goes ahead, sees ahead, and plans our path for us. And when we follow Him, we walk in that. And to, to end my preaching at this church by speaking on hope, is just an honor, and it's so appropriate. And I hope you join me in looking forward in the days ahead with hope in Jesus Christ. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9 today, if you want to turn there and follow along. When everything is lost, when everything is lost when homes and lives are destroyed by war or natural disaster when there's seemingly no way out we call it a hopeless situation that is where our text lands us today right in the middle of what we would call a hopeless situation after decades of exile in babylon the judeans are now free to return to their homeland only to find that it's destroyed and barren. What they thought would be a joyous homecoming has ended in feelings of despair. They told the stories of this place to their children and their grandchildren, only to return to a place that was unrecognizable. And in their despair, they feel this incredible distance from God. They question whether God is even working on their behalf, if God is listening at all. In the midst of this great sorrow, in the midst of this great despair, they raise up a great lament to God, saying, Oh, 
that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. The imagery here gives a great sense of longing for God to be revealed, to intervene, to interject some light into the midst of this darkness, to bring about some kind of hope into a seemingly hopeless situation. Let's read together Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to our enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Some ancient times, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep away, sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Lament is defined as to feel, show, or express grief, sorrow, or regret. Because of their hopeless situations, the Judeans cry out in lament to God. They wonder where God is. They think they have been abandoned by God, and they wonder, where is God? They ask God to draw near. The language come down and make known point to their intense longing for a great and visible intercession from God. They recall the ways God has interceded in the past and wonder where God is this time. These people have heard their entire lives the miraculous stories surrounding Abraham and Moses, how God established their nation, freed the people from slavery in Egypt, and led them through the Red Sea to freedom. As they cry out to God to draw close and reveal His power, the lament shifts to confession. They have continued to sin, and no one calls on the name of the Lord anymore. Verse 7 No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. There is some real honesty happening in this lament-turned-confession. They believe their sin has caused God to turn away from them. They view their righteous acts as filthy rags in light of their sin. And that's very strong language. That phrase, filthy rags, in the original language, it means cloth that's soaked with the blood of a woman's menstrual cycle. 
absolutely um, unclean. And they believe that they are unclean, intensely unclean, and forsaken by God. And this is a communal confession. It's not about individual sin in this passage. Many of these individuals that are, that are hearing this when it was originally spoken and written weren't even born yet when the nation of Israel entered exile. Uh, which means this confession is not about individual acts, but about who they are and have historically been as a community of God's people. So this is about corporate sin. The ways that they as a society, as a people, have forsaken God. The ways they have been disobedient. Disobedient to whom God has called them to be. And disobedient to who God has called them to be. Um... And, and who is that? A hospitable people who love God and love their neighbors, love each other. They have repeatedly lived in opposition to the people they were called to be. This is a theme that's repeated throughout the Old Testament. We can see the idea of collective sin um, in the language of their confession. We continued to sin in verse 5, all of us in verse 6, and no one in verse 7. This act of confession shows a shift in their thinking. God is not to blame for their present circumstances. They have a responsibility to own the choices and actions they, that have gotten them into the current situation. Even in their desperation, they trust that God is listening to them. Verse 8, yet you, Lord, are our Father. Confession and lament often go hand in hand. Lament is the act of crying out about circumstances. Confession is both a plea for forgiveness and for relationship. In both lament and confession, they long for something to be restored and renewed. And then there comes a point when there's nothing left to say. There is a gap in the text between verses 7 and 8. It seems they have expressed so much despair that they have nothing left to say. All that's left is complete and utter hopelessness. But then glimmers of hope appear. After the gap, the entire tone of the text changes. It's like a switch is flipped between verse 7 and verse 8. God is now Father and Potter. The people are now the clay in the work of your hand. Their circumstances haven't changed from verses 7 to 8. They are still looking at a desolate place to call home. They still face insurmountable odds. What shifts is their view of their relationship with God in the midst of this hopeless situation. There is hope, not because of the good people, um, not because of the good that the, the people have done. Their confession shows they have lacked good and right actions. There is hope, though, not because of their circumstances. Their homeland still lies in ruin. 
they have had no triumphal homecoming. They still have nowhere to live. Yet, there is hope. Because of who God is. God is their Father. This is about relationship. They express their confidence in a God who loves them in spite of their failings. God is the potter. God is at work molding them, actively moving in ways that make God's people look and behave more like God. They are God's people. After the lament and after the confession, the people remember their identity. Regardless of whether they have a home, they remain the people of God. We have hope today. On this first Sunday of Advent, many of us are also walking through or toward seemingly hopeless situations. Maybe we are looking ahead at spending time with family with a deep apprehension that our longing for a picture-perfect holiday could easily be tattered by addiction or unhealthy relationships or unspoken pain. Some of us walk toward the holiday season knowing we won't have a loved one with us anymore. What is supposed to be a joyous occasion has become one of distress and heartache. Others of us were looking forward to a great year only to be faced with financial hardship or illness or we wonder how we will make it. And God feels distant in the midst of hopeless situations. Despair has a way of robbing us of joy. We wonder where God is in the midst of this pain. We look longingly at where God has worked for us in the past and ask whether God is still close to us now. Confession is an important part of Advent. Not all of our hopeless situations are caused by our own choices and our own sins. Sometimes they are caused by the sins and choices of others. Yet we know there are places that we do need to confess also. Sometimes we have participated in collective action that has wronged others. Other times we might need to confess our attitudes or thoughts in response to others. We don't always think of Advent as a time of confession, but confession often leads us to look at things with new eyes. Through our lament, In our confession, in the midst of our desperation, we are led to remember who God is and who we are. And I want to I want to encourage you in this. Our circumstances this Advent might not change. All of those hopeless situations we are facing might still be facing us. Even as Christmas comes, God is still our Father, and He is still the potter. God decides relationship, God desires relationship with us in spite of what we've done and despite our circumstances. God also desires to make us holy. In spite of what we've done and despite our circumstances, we are still God's people. We are not forsaken by God. And as God's beloved people, We have hope that God is still doing a new thing in us. The true hope for the world is still a long time coming from the perspective of our Bible passage this morning there in Isaiah. 
we have the honor, living after Christ has come, we have the honor of seeing more deeply into the story. We know how it will turn out for the Israelites, that the Savior does come, that He does make the sacrifice, that He does rise from the dead, that He does dwell in heaven, that He is coming back. But that doesn't mean we won't face our own hopeless situations today, in the meantime. Because we don't know how our own stories are going to go. We may yet have years ahead of us of questioning the presence of God or of who we are in the world. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a great Christmas poem in which he said, And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Wow, that's some despair. And we can feel that despair keenly in our Bible passage today. But we often feel it so keenly in our own lives as well. And yet, there is hope. There is hope. Not because everything is going to work out the way that it should, that we think it should. There is hope. Not because everything is going to be wrapped up with a neat little bow by Christmas morning. There is hope because God still hears us cry out. Just like God heard His children cry out hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. There is hope because God is a good Father who loves us. There is hope because we are still God's people. So even today, weeks before Christmas, when we will celebrate the light of the world coming, when the earth will rejoice over the birth of Jesus Christ, in the midst of our despair today, we still cling to hope because we are still the beloved children of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you for being for us. Thank you for going ahead of us and making a way where there seems to be no way. Indeed, Lord, I am filled with hope today because Jesus Christ reigns and I am His. And you are a loving God and I am yours. And so with joy and hope, we pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I love you.